Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It is November 21st, the day before Thanksgiving, the giving of thanks. All right, well, that's a good thing. That would be a great topic, gratitude. Oh, gratitude's always always uh, a good thing. We should have thought about that ahead of time. (laughs) We're not prepared for gratitude. (laughs) Come on. But we can complain like crazy. Yeah, So true. What do we got? What do we want to talk about? Well, our last podcast, we talked about... Let's do a quick update. Okay. Uh, Desuvia. Desuvia that somehow all of a sudden I'm comfortable saying. Again, just, even though it's, just in case somebody didn't listen to the last podcast and don't doesn't know what Desuvia is. Desuvia is a um, opioid medication that has been now approved by the FDA since our last podcast. It is five to ten times stronger than fentanyl, a medication that is commonly found in overdoses. Very, very powerful opioid. So, Desuvia is five to ten times stronger. Sorry. Um, and we, we talked about that last time, but just a quick little uh, uh, hey, it got approved. Got approved. They must not have listened to our podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> FDA needs why to get would, on board. Why wouldn't they listen to our <laughs> podcast? Those, those guys. Jeez. We know more than the FDA, don't we? Uh, yeah, that's... I mean, that's crazy. We we rambled about this last podcast some, but the truth is this is a super potent medication that every medication known to man has been has been diverted, has been misused, right? Every opiate medication, there will be some street value and some street market for Desuvia, and it's probably going to increase overdose deaths. But they're so worried, apparently, about medication errors that they passed it. So, it's a sublingual tablet, actually. I wasn't aware of that, maybe last podcast, but... It, you put it under your tongue and it dissolves. You don't swallow it. So it's it works for people with swallowing disorders. Even people that might be intubated have a tube down their throat on a respirator. Anyway, it passed. We'll see what the we'll see what happens as it plays out. What else was there? Any other follow up? Um, BYU won. BYU beat New Mexico State. Not the best football team on the planet, but they won. We'll take it's it. still fun. It's yeah. fun to win forty-five to ten. Yeah, we agree. you know, no matter what. And I actually didn't think we looked like we were playing that good, but no, I don't know that we played all that well either. It was uh, it was a fun game to go to though. A little, little chilly, but way fun. Yeah, there was some good stuff that happened for sure. Yeah. Running back looked really good. Scored four touchdowns on the ground. So this coming week we have the. One of the best rivalries in the United States, BYU versus Utah. Sports Illustrated once ranked it as the best rivalry in the United States. Wow, I Uh, didn't know that. That was about 10 years ago. That was back when it was a rivalry. (laughs) Back Uh, when we had a chance. Yeah, two two things happened. Utah joined the Pac-12, left the Mountain West and joined the Pac-12. So we weren't in the same conference. Uh, And then the second thing is Utah just for the last seven years has exerted a dominance over BYU, which doesn't really make it much of a rivalry. There have been some close games. 
there was a bowl game that was they got blown out in the first quarter and then stormed back to lose by seven points. That was a close game. And truth be told, they're they're usually close games. Uh, I was looking at a at a chart of all the uh, point differentials. It's rarely over ten points. There's been three times in the last fifteen years, I think, where Utah just went a little crazy. There was one time they beat BYU by forty-four points, but usually it's under ten. So we're looking for a good game. We hope it's a good game. I wouldn't put money on BYU in it. <laughs> you know a lot of stats. But I'm going to be cheering. I'm a fan. I'm a devoted BYU fan. I'm not. I'm not a average kind of fan. I. Kind of, you know me. I get depressed when they lose, like really depressed. I would, I would dare say, borderline nerd. Is that offensive? Is nerd offensive? Can we not say that word? You can say it all you want. You just can't call me that. I said borderline. Oh, that helps. Borderline. That helps. Ish. If you throw an ish. Nerdish. It's fine. Nerd-like. Yeah. Well. That's probably true. All right. Was there anything else we wanted to follow up on at all? I can't think of anything. Oh, probably. But let's let's move on. Any news in the world of addiction that you can think of? Lots of the stuff I've been reading has been a lot of... Well, first of all, a whole bunch of treatment centers had to close down in California because of the wildfires. Yeah. There were, there were a lot of treatment centers that just closed their doors and are taking a lot of heat from, I'm on a couple of Facebook forums about addiction and, and ethics in addiction and that sort of thing. And there was some heat on those. It's funny that he used the word heat, right? But yeah. there was some, um, there was some pushback from some of those groups about treatment centers having to close their doors, but housing their patients in a hotel. HIPAA violations, yeah. Um, you know, not the best care, that sort of thing. They were saying that they should have transferred all their patients. Well, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I think transferring patients costs money. In a treatment center that just lost their building and their ability to treat patients, maybe they don't have enough money to transfer all their patients. You can't transfer them next door. That building's on fire as well. So I don't know how I feel about it. Any thoughts? That's interesting. Well, it seems to me like there needs to be some safety contingency plans set. You know, when, if and when disaster strikes, what do you do? And it seems like they didn't have any. So they, they probably, probably didn't. Need to get, probably need to get something, maybe some collaboration with other treatment centers that could um, house the patients during times of crisis or, yeah. you know, something like that. But it sounds like... Sounds like something needs to be done like that to make sure that uh, that doesn't happen again. I know the hospital that I work at uh, has a con safety contingency plan of what to do with all the patients. You know, in the case of an earthquake, for example, and that's something that we talk about a lot in Utah. But yeah, it probably needs to be for the for the treatment centers needs to be some kind of plan in place. So, all right, what's our topic today? Kristen Brown. Why don't you share, Dr. Sellers? What do I got? The topic? Yeah. Why don't you... Why don't you ask some questions? Why don't you share with us what's on your mind? What's in the forefront of your mind today as far as 
what's in the news? Well, we had discussed a little bit about body brokering. I think that's a topic we could spend some time on for sure. For those of you that don't understand the term, it has been in the news recently. What body brokering is basically is sort of buying or capturing a client and then selling that client to a treatment center. Typically, they'll sell to the highest bidder, but uh, what goes on is people that have graduated from a particular treatment center will then, after a period of time, and everybody's a little different on this, and some there's no time, but after a period of time, the treatment center can hire them, will hire them back to do marketing, and these guys, the marketers then, barely in recovery sometimes, go out and try to entice people to come to that treatment center. And this has a whole lot of problems and issues along with it, and we'll discuss a bunch of them, but for sure, one of them is the fact that almost nowhere else in medicine, when I got into medicine, in when I actually got my medical license to practice by myself, I got a medical license back in Michigan, but that I had to work at a hospital because I was a resident. But when I got a full-time medical license in Utah, advertising and enticing was almost completely taboo. Nobody did it. Not a single doctor, not a single clinic, not... Nobody really advertised. That just was kind of taboo. I don't know if it was illegal, but it wasn't done. Yeah. And for sure with the advent of drug and alcohol treatment, that has changed dramatically. I mean, I can drive up and down I-15 in, in Utah and find three or four ads on billboards for treatment centers. And so they've just kind of thrown that out the window. But the real issue, I think, that we sort of wanted to talk about is the enticements that some of these quote-unquote body brokers use to lure patients into treatment. You actually used fingers to air quote at that point. Well, I but, just want to point that out because but our listeners... But I'm on the radio, so I also said quote-unquote, so I did both. If there's, a, if there's a webcam in the car, people saw it. If there's not, I at least said it. Yeah, I just wanted to verbalize quoted, that. Quoted. Yeah. While you were driving, you took both hands off oh, the wheel. I guess we could have died. I might. <laughs> we could have died. But we didn't. Good. We didn't. We're here. And I got to emphasize body broker. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some specific instances. So there is a big problem, particularly in California and Florida. And we hear about this if you read about this topic at all. You're going to hear a lot of stories out of California and Florida. They seem to be the worst. Uh, of all the states. You and I live in Utah. We don't really hear about it quite as much, although we do hear some stuff, but the really bad stuff seems to be coming out of California and Florida. So let's talk about a few of the types of things that we have heard. So there was a story on CBS not that long ago, a few weeks ago, I think, where a, a, a father was speaking out because his son had died essentially while waiting for treatment. Do you remember any of the particulars well, of that? Well, my understanding was a um, 22-year-old kid uh, went to treatment, was out in treatment in Florida. Yeah. And while he was in treatment, he got connected with, and I'm not sure, I don't remember if they explained the details of how uh, how this 
um, guy was found, but... Well, what's interesting is, I, I agree with you, I don't know that they explained how he got hooked up with the with the, with the body broker. I didn't do the air quotes that time. Yeah. I almost I did, though. I know. But they don't really explain how he got hooked up with the body broker, but for sure there was a series of text interchanges, mm-hmm. which a, a lot of treatment centers don't allow you to have your cell phones. Yeah. It's a big distraction for patients and kind of takes them away from treatment. And so, obviously, somehow this guy had his cell phone. Maybe not. Maybe a lot of treatment centers do allow you to have them. I'm not sure. For sure, at the treatment centers I work at, do not allow uh, patients to have full access to their cell phones. They sometimes can have limited use, but they don't get to carry them around with them all day. Yeah. For sure. But anyway, there was definitely a series of text exchanges. I don't know if that was how they got introduced or not, but... The text messages. So what happened was is uh, this guy in rehab gets um, a text from a guy out in California saying, "Hey, uh, for two hundred bucks, uh, I'll transfer out to California to a rehab out here." I think there's a couple of broskies thrown in there. Yeah, the guy used the word broski, broski. a couple of times, like 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 their best friends. Yeah, or like it's weird. So it's disturbing. Sort of a weird. Um, not very professional marketing ploy, right? We'll pay you 200 bucks. We'll give you two smokes a day. No, two packs. Two Wasn't packs it? a day. That's two right. Shakur, two smokes is nothing. Two packs of smokes a day, a haircut. Haircut, you got to throw that in there. And the gym. Yeah. Must have been a gym pass or something. So anyway, he, he was enticing this kid who was already in treatment in Florida to switch treatment. treatment programs and go to California to this treatment center. Well, it's assumed that this guy's doing it for you know, to make money off of that, right? Well, he Which asked... the brokering part. In the process somewhere, he asked about the guy's insurance. So he ran the guy's insurance to make sure, of course, it was going to make sense for the treatment center to pay this stuff, yeah. right? To make sure the guy had decent insurance. Well, and I'm, I'm guessing up. I'm guessing they paid for transportation. Oh, for sure. Right? I mean, they got this guy out there. It's not free to travel across the country. So somehow this guy gets to California, leaves the treatment center in Florida, gets to this other place. But before he can be admitted, he has to relapse. Yeah. So uh, the the point was that you can't you can't go to a brand new treatment center just because you didn't like your old treatment center and have your insurance company pay for it necessarily so he had to have relapsed yeah so my guess is although i don't remember this from the article my guess is the treatment center provided the drugs or the marketer did well the marketer did but the marketer is the treatment center right i mean the marketer is an employee of the treatment center so so essentially probably the marketer supplied drugs so this guy could relapse or at least told him that he needed to relapse, right? Yeah. Well, listen, here's an interesting point before we go any further. Uh, we talked about not advertising in medicine and that sort of thing. But one of the things I know is there are a lot of people that come to drug and alcohol treatment just destitute, right? They have used all their money. They've hawked their TV to pawn shops. And sometimes they're living on the street. And that's not everybody, but... People don't go to treatment until things start to become really uncomfortable. And part of that uncomfortable is they're just plain out of money. Mm -hmm. So an enticement like $200, which doesn't seem like a lot, 
might be a lot to somebody who has no money at all to his name. Yeah. And so it's a it's a really vulnerable population because of the nature of the disease, which usually requires that you use all your resources to get your drugs or alcohol. Yeah. So anyways, got up to the hotel room. Apparently, the marketer provided him with some drugs or somehow he got drugs. I don't know. That wasn't clear in the article. And then wound up dead. Didn't make it to the California Treatment Center. Now, the, he was in a hotel really close to the treatment center in California. So yeah. he'd already made it out to California and he was holed up in a hotel and the, I guess the concept was he was going to be there just long enough to relapse so that he could flunk a drug test. Mm-hmm. So there's that. One of the things we don't really have the ability to do in testing is to decide how long someone has been using heroin. A heroin test, a test for heroin is either positive or negative, but there's no way to know if they used once in the last six weeks or if they used every day in the last six weeks. Yeah. So, all you have to do is flunk the tr- flunk the test, and you can say I've been using every day for the last six weeks, yeah, or something like that. So anyway, he was supposed to get in, and he wound up dead. The, his dad ended up getting a hold of his cell phone, and then going through all these conversations on the cell phone, and his dad then filed a complaint against the treatment center. He also talked to news organizations, which is how this thing came to light, how this particular story came to light. So, interesting sort of cautionary tale about treatment centers doing unethical things. It makes no sense to me for a treatment center to provide drugs or alcohol to somebody who has a disease that could kill them. Yeah. Yeah, real real quickly, I'll throw in, I have heard of that. uh, Me too. In Utah. Me too. Uh, We were were working uh, together when a patient disclosed to us that he had been told to make sure he was drinking uh, again before he came back to the facility so that he could get in. And he was told very specifically by, I, I'm guessing it was a marketer. I, I wasn't, the, the person wasn't actually affiliated with the treatment center we were working at, but somehow got the, that patient to our facility. So I do know that it happens. Yes, um, in Utah. In Utah, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. I remember that, somebody, somebody said, that they were told, make sure you show up drunk. Yeah. Otherwise, we won't be able to admit you. Yeah. So that's a that's an issue surrounding body brokering. So the truth is, I believe for a very long period of time that enticements have been illegal. I they're always they've always been unethical for sure, but I also think they've been illegal for a long period of time. Now recently, both the state of California and the federal government have passed even stricter laws about inducements. Any sort of inducement to a patient in California is now called body brokering and is illegal, although I don't know, the punishment can be up to a $200,000 fine nationally. I don't know what California's fine is. In Florida, any inducement to a patient is now a felony. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So that's, that's better. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a step in the right direction. Here's the problem, though, I think, is in our industry, if we don't begin to police ourselves, then the government's going to step in. Yeah, absolutely. And they're starting to now. Yeah. But when have you ever seen the government step in and make something better? And I'm not really bashing on the federal government, but 
The federal government doesn't make things easy. Yeah. There's all they start placing all kinds of restrictions and regulations, and it just makes more work for people. They won't step in if we could police ourselves, but we're heading down the road where the government's just going to have to step in, and they're already starting to. What are the kinds of things have we heard about for inducements? Again, I'm in the role of question asking, but I'm really just tossing the question out. It doesn't have to be answered by you, but I was kind of thinking out loud. I know I've heard like somebody is like somebody has just been fired from their job, for example, and they're coming to treatment now because the firing from the job was the last straw, so they yeah. decide they need help. And they so they lose their insurance, but they can get a cobra insurance for a few months. I've heard of treatment centers paying the payment for the cobra. Oh yeah, or I even or even enrolling patients in Obamacare and paying those premiums. Yep, I've heard that. Yeah, uh, you, we've heard that in Utah, right? Yeah. I mean, we've it's not just been in, in in stories, national stories. We've heard that in Utah for sure. Well, so highly, it, ana- so, highly unethical, right? And and probably illegal at no, this point to do that. But it, it is illegal. What I've always heard is it is illegal to be. The entity paying the premiums and the same entity receiving the benefits of the premiums. So you can't pay somebody's premiums and then bill their insurance company. That's what's illegal. And I think that's kind of always been illegal. But for sure it's done. As well, far as inducing. and again, in Utah. So let's just call ourselves out. You know, we no, know, no, we've, we've we know of an organization that created a foundation... It, uh, under a different name, but it was their foundation that would pay for patients' uh, insurance premiums in, in the name of scholarshiping. They would call it, oh, we'll give you a scholarship. When the bottom line was they were using this foundation to pay for people's insurance premiums so that they could go to their treatment center and then they could build the insurance uh, that they had just bought for these patients. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that's going on that's like, wait a second, this, is, this isn't okay. Yeah, not only do we need to call each other out on it, I think it needs to be very specifically called out. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm about ready to do that. You know, I'm, I'm tired of seeing it in my backyard. Uh, it's easier when it's, oh, it's out in Florida. Yeah. You know, oh, they're doing it. Or California. California, okay. Well, yeah, they're doing it. Which, by the way, Kristen's from California. I'm from Florida. So (laughs) it's our two states that are really screwing it up. Ironic. Notice she pointed out my state. Yeah. And I pointed out her state. Yeah, I I agree with that. That that is not totally a body brokering tactic, but I think that's something worth touching on. Uh, the found the foundation you're talking about, I know what I know which foundation you're talking about, but there are multiple foundations out there like that. Yeah. They go and register as a 5013C, which makes them tax exempt, and then they go raise money and pull at everyone's heartstrings because all these people need treatment and they've got to have treatment, and then they never pay for treatment at any treatment center other than the one that they are affiliated with. Mm-hmm. So, for example, a certain treatment center makes its own foundation, but they call it something different. They don't call it the name of the treatment center. And then they go out and raise funds. And then when somebody needs a scholarship sometimes or just a payment, a premium insurance payment, then they'll draw funds out of this foundation 
but only for the their treatment center. I don't know that I've ever heard of an instance of a of a foundation that was affiliated with a certain treatment center paying for treatment at another treatment center. Yeah. So that's kind yeah. of bogus because they they're out there saying, "Hey, we're just going to help people get into treatment," and it's it's not really helping people. Well, it doesn't hurt people, but it's not really helping people. It's really helping the treatment center. Yeah. It's not aimed at helping people so much. Yeah, it gets really sketchy really quick. It's, it's aimed at the treatment center getting paid for treatment, period. Exactly. But then they get to look like they provided charity treatment because they brought a guy in that had no funds, and they get to say how much charity treatment they did, when in fact they draw money out of this charitable organization. Uh, what else do we hear about body brokering or, or tactics that are used in the industry to lure people in. Well, uh, another example of uh, trans paying for transportation to get to your facility. So you cannot. That's another enticement. That's an enticement, right? and it is pay, illegal. We will pay for your airline fares, train ticket, bus ticket, whatever, to Uber to get you to our treatment center. You know, you brought up a point uh, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about this, about, you know, comparing this to a dialysis center. You know, you don't hear of uh, dialysis centers or oncology departments paying for people's uh, uh, transportation to their facility right. to get treatment. Right. You know, this, is, this seems to be very unique to the addiction world. You know, and again, I, I, I get we are in the addiction world, so that's what we're seeing. If it is out there in other scopes of practice, I haven't seen that or heard of it, but I sure see it and hear it in our field. And it's very frustrating, very frustrating because, you know, now you have treat, legitimate treatment centers who are going to struggle to fill their beds when they're doing it ethically. Because they are, in essence, competing with people who are willing to break or bend the law right. to fill their beds. Right. You know? And, and so how do you compete with that? Yep. Very difficult. For sure, I remember... Let me, let me change course just a little bit, but another sort of factor in this body brokering thing is... I, I remember once upon a time, and this was... Oh, it might have been almost 10 years ago now, but... I got a letter from a an insurance company asking for all of the notes from the chart for a certain patient. What they were re really reviewing was why over a six-month period of time had they been billed $144,000 for urine drug tests. Oh, yeah. This is a whole nother. That's not a body brokering thing, but listen, this is why they're enticing people to come to their treatment center. Yeah. They were billing, I believe at the time, $1,400 per UA, and they were, UA means urinalysis, and they were testing their patients four or five times a week. Yeah. Now, you don't actually need to test a patient four to five times a week very often. Uh, I do believe UAs are necessary. It's the only way we have of objectively measuring progress with the disease. And so I think UAs are important. You don't need one every day. You won't miss somebody using if you test every other day. You won't even miss somebody's use if you test twice a week, usually. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, these guys, I believe, were just doing 
Well, what I know from other treatment centers is they buy their own urinalysis machine. You can buy one for 50 grand. Okay. Run your own UAs. It costs you about a dollar a test. And somewhere between one and five dollars a test, and billing fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah. For this test, well, I mean, they bought the machine, so of course they're enticed to use it a bunch, and and it's just unbelievably unethical. But while that's not body brokering, that's the reason for body brokering. Right. They People need that are doing it because they body. bring pa- yeah. patients in and charge one hundred and forty-four thousand dollars for six months worth of urine drug testing. The good news is I wasn't actually working at that treatment center during the time of the $144,000 in billing. Uh, so I didn't get in any trouble. I would not participate in something like that. But they were they had been billing in my name. I had left that treatment center long before, and they were still billing in my name. Oh, which is crazy. Just nuts. So right? crazy. Uh, yeah, it, I saw a news article within this last year about the issue in Florida with, uh, again, sorry, I'll point out Florida. No, that's right. um, Florida's got the, issues. Uh, they were, the marketers were going on the streets and picking up homeless people to just say, hey, we'll give you a place to live. And by the way, it's a really kind of cool place to live. You come to our treatment center and we will, quote unquote, treat your drug addiction and you get to live with us. Meanwhile, we're going to sign you up for Obamacare. We're going to sign you up for insurance. We're going to bill that insurance, and you have a place to stay. You know, and I think that's that's kind of the core of what's going on is just this all this unethical practice. Look, I get that some marketers have probably lied to themselves or convinced themselves that, hey, we're doing this. We're, this is to help people. Right. You know, I, I, I don't think every marketer out there is evil, obviously. Right. right? I have some great friends who are marketers. Um, some of them think they're doing quite the service for their patients, right? Right. Yeah. This is the only way to do it. We have to bypass the law to improve our ability to treat these patients. So we're going to tell them they have to be drunk because that is an issue, right? We do know that insurance companies do have some criteria for, for paying for treatment, Right. So they do have to, in some cases, be drunk or ha- have um, opiates in their system at the time or, you know, that kind of stuff. So we do know that that's an issue that's leading to, uh, you know, all of these unethical practices. But here's the problem is for for you and I in medicine, we have a particularly for physicians, but but I think for everybody. There's a Hippocratic Oath. One of the points in the Hippocratic Oath is first, do no harm. Well, marketers don't have any sort of... Right. uh, We we all agree to that when we graduate from school to this Hippocratic Oath. And the thing is, first, do no harm. Well, for sure, supplying a guy who might die from his deadly opiate addiction, supplying him with opiates, for sure violates that part of the Hippocratic Oath. Or even suggesting he go relapse and make sure that he's uh, that's dirty. Absolutely. You know. That's... So you, you wouldn't see that very often from physicians, hopefully. Listen, yeah. there's unethical physicians. Of there's course. no question. Of course. And, but, but, I, but you're right. We're not seeing that. Right. We're really seeing this from back to this wild, wild west concept. You know, we now have this chronic relapsing disease that 
possibly does not have a cost-effective treatment um, but insurance is paying for it and there's a lot of money to be made and when you've got that setup of let's make a lot of money you're gonna have people that come in and do whatever they can to get a piece of that pie and sadly it's in the name of hurting people who are struggling with addiction and I hate that part no I question. hate that part no question one more one more little thing that just popped into my mind is occasionally there have been these call centers that pop up and you'll actually see advertisements for them on late night TV sometimes with a doctor it was some actor dressed up like a doctor first of all they could have picked a slightly less nerdy looking dude right <laughs> it's not Rob Lowe trust me it's no uh, it's no great looking dude it's just super nerdy looking dude but he's talking about addiction is a disease you can't go it alone and what those places are sometimes is these call centers where they capture patients. Mm -hmm. They then sell them to treatment centers, providing almost no service at all. In fact, what they do is they, they, they take these incoming calls and then they figure out who's, which treatment center is going to pay them the most for that particular patient. And that's where the patient goes. With no thought to which treatment center actually fits that patient best, just which one is going to pay them the most. and Which is, to be clear, just because I'm not, uh, that's illegal? That's illegal. That's illegal. Okay. That okay. It's illegal to, well, there for sure is, uh, it's a felony in Florida. Okay. So, yeah, I think that I think that's illegal. I can't be sure that's actually illegal. It's just not done anywhere else. In any other sector of medicine, it's just not done. Well, we heard about a local treatment center. The owner was telling you about a, a time when their phone number actually got hijacked by one of these call centers. So every time you called to talk to this treatment center, it was redirected to this call center. Right. Which is crazy. Yeah, so it was a well-established treatment center that's been around for a long time. And they've had this phone number, and somehow this call center hijacked that number. And when you called that, it went to the call center instead of to this well-established treatment center. And so the patient thinks they're calling, you know, so-and-so treatment center. And what they get is this, this call center. And the call center then sells the patient to the highest bidder, essentially. Yeah. That's I don't know if that's illegal or not, but it's got to be close. Yeah. I mean, well, at least unethical. It's Something for sure. About it it's is... for sure unethical. I, anyway, I just think that you know this this is a treatment center that's had that phone number for years and years and years, and all of a sudden patients are calling it, thinking they're getting a very nice, well-established, good reputation treatment center, and suddenly they're at a call center, and they're being farmed out to another treatment center that is not as nice and not as well-established and the call center made money on the patient. No. I just, I think it's so unethical because these call centers provide almost no service. The patient had already made the effort to look up the phone number of a particular treatment center. They knew where they wanted to go. It's not like they needed somebody to do research for them to find a treatment center. And then the next thing they know, they're being farmed out to somebody else. So there's that. Well, I, you know, I, I think that the 
point that I liked the most out of this was we need to start policing ourselves. Federal government's already getting involved, and we know this, but we can really do a much better job of calling each other out on things like this and just shutting down those facilities that are doing harm and not helping. We see it starting to happen some. I mean, I know know that... Now, part of it's government intervention. Yeah. But I know the government has gone in and raided a whole bunch of treatment centers in California and shut some of them down. I think the same things happened in Florida. I know that government has come in and shut down a treatment center in Utah that was not necessarily engaged in body brokering, but some highly unbelievable, unethical practices. But it would sure be nice if we could police that ourselves. Yeah. Like just, and, and there are groups popping up trying to do that. Yeah. yeah. I think so. The climate could get, should get better, hopefully. Like, well, talking about it helps, right? And you know, for me, one of the reasons why, there's been times when I thought, I, I got to call somebody on this once I hear about, you know, the patient, for example, the patient who told us that he was told to drink, right. uh, you know, to make sure that he relapsed and was drinking before he came into the facility and you know I knew the name of the person at the time and my my mind went gosh I'm gonna call somebody on this you know but it puts you in a very kind of scary position you know do I really want to be the whistleblower and part of me really does and part of me thinks oh my gosh I do not want to be so vulnerable yeah well listen the people that are doing that are committing those unscrupulous acts might be scary people. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're not going to be the people that are suddenly going to start following the rules when it comes to trying to intimidate you. Yeah. For sure. The other thing is it's hard to know who to call. Well, right. Right? Yeah. I did uh, find out when there was this uh, billing thing in my name where they were charging 144 grand for six months worth of UAs. Wow. I did find an insurance fraud division in the state of Utah, and that's who I reported it to. I don't know what came of it. Yeah. But uh, I did at least report it. Well, good for you. Yeah, well. Good for you. I don't know if anything happened, though, because the guy's still running a treatment center. <laughs> so. So probably not much. Not much. Not much. All right, well. That's about all the time we have for today. I don't know if we'll uh, add any more to this or not tomorrow. We've kind of touched on a bunch of subjects. Well, not tomorrow. I'm eating turkey. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of doing the the same thing, except my wife has decided we're having steak for Thanksgiving. What? And I said no. (laughs) But we are having steak. Okay. And I said, look, I don't have to have turkey on Thanksgiving. I have to have the leftovers after. Yeah. So we're also going to cook a turkey and some stuffing and some and some sweet potato casserole and all that. And so I'll have my leftovers. I can have turkey sandwiches and yeah, all that stuff. Well, later. I do the same thing. We go out for Thanksgiving dinner, actually, but we want the food, you know, the leftover stuff. So yeah. I still, uh, not going to lie, I actually bought my turkey this year from Honey Baked Ham. Um, who is now officially a sponsor of this program since I just... Hey, <laughs> welcome to the sponsorship. Gave them a little spot. But, um, yeah, I've never tried it, but I heard it's really good. Super easy. and But, yeah, to have uh, to have the leftovers. I think that's sure. smart, by the way. Not... Yeah. All right, well, you got to go to work, and i got to go to work. So we wish you all a happy Thanksgiving and have a safe and fun holiday. 
and we will see you next week. Next time we'll talk about gratitude. Maybe. <laughs> Have a great day. All right. See ya.